The Run the Riot Podcast is brought to you by the Outlaw Race Series. You need to check these guys out at www.outlaw100.com. There are a ton of races, and they're all fantastic. First of all, in January, there's Winter Rock with distances 25K and 12K. In February, the flagship of the Outlaw 100 Race Series, the Outlaw 100 in Wilberton, Oklahoma, with distances from 135 miles all the way down to the 5K. Prairie Spirit in March in Ottawa, Kansas. Distances 100 miles down to 50K. Lake McMurtry in April in Stillwater, Oklahoma. 100K down to 5K. The Greater Roadrunner Trail Run at Roman Nose State Park in Watonga, Oklahoma in May. Distances 4 to 12 miles. Our Moon in Pawhuska also in May from 50 miles all the way down to 4 miles. Then there's the Dark and Dirty in July in Wilburton, Oklahoma. There's a 50K all the way down to 5K, and you can run trail or gravel. Then there's the Honey Badger 100, also in July. 100 mile and 50 mile. That's a hot one on pavement. Fun. (laughs) Then there's the Flat Rock in Independence, Kansas. Distances 101 mile all the way down to 12K. That's in September. In October, we've got the Kansas Rails to Trails Extravaganza in Ottawa, Kansas. 100 mile all the way down to half marathon. And last but certainly not least, the Thunderbird in Norman, Oklahoma in November. 100K all the way down to 5K. These are great trail runs put on for ultra runners, by ultra runners. Guys, you will get taken care of if you go do these races. You'll get awesome medals, amazing buckles, and some nice swag. Check them out at www.outlaw100.com. You're listening to the Run the Riot podcast, where we talk about all things ultra running. I'm your host, David Terrio, and man, I'm pumped that you are here. Let's see what we can get into today. Hey there, my friends. Welcome to this week's episode of the Run the Riot podcast. This week, we've got Christine Tokars. She is the winner of this year's Outlaw 135-mile race, the overall winner. They called her the little engine that could. You'll have to listen to the podcast to find out why. She also placed second in the Moab 240 in 2021. So you know we had to talk about that, especially with my history with the race and possibly my future in the race. Man, I thoroughly enjoy getting to know her. She's got an impressive race resume. I love how she picks her races. You'll have to check that out. And uh, her simple race strategy. That's worked for her so far. You know, everybody's got their own race strategy, things that they do, things they lay out. And hers is simple, but it's profound. So check that out. Today on the Run the Riot podcast, we've got Christine Tokars. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing great. How are things right now in Golden? We got a couple I mean, inches of snow yesterday, so- but otherwise it was back in the 50s, which is pretty much how it goes up here. It snows and then it's 50s and then it snows. So it makes for a muddy winter. It's been extra wet this year. Things are rough to get out on the trails, but otherwise things are going pretty good. Good. I know I was just, my wife and I were talking that we, we've been to Lake Tahoe a few times and love it out there and racing and stuff. And they are getting slammed with snow big time. <laughs> Yeah, that's what it looks like. It makes me wonder for those signed up for the Tahoe 200, what their fate is going to be. Yeah, I saw somebody posted it and Candace said the snow will not stop the race. They may have to make make some adjustments. Maybe a Nordic 200? Is that what she said? Yeah, maybe, maybe so, maybe so. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. That's one of the things with them moving it from September to during the summer, it's sooner. So that snow doesn't have as much of an opportunity to melt away. Yeah, last year, what it was a little bit muddy, it actually snowed a little bit on the course, what, the third, maybe fourth day? I was pacing someone, but the weather itself was pretty great. Let's get into who you are. I try to piece together things before the podcast, and I looked at your ultra sign up, and I was like, she's been all over the place. So where are you from originally? Yeah, my dad was in the military, so I grew up all over the place. He was a West Pointer, so we spent a few years there. I spent some years in Panama. 
I guess if I had to call somewhere home, it'd be upstate New York. That's where my parents met and that's where they're from. And we went back there for a couple of years, right as I was graduating high school. Nice, nice. In all your travels and things, were you an athlete? Did you do some running or what did you do? The typical ultra runner story, at least for the ladies, as far as I can see, is we all seem to come from the soccer background. Yeah, so I knew you were going to say that. I, yeah. I, I, for some reason, I knew you were going to say that. It was either nothing or soccer. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy because it was my whole life was soccer growing up. I actually walked on to a D1 team at SUNY nice. Albany, which was pretty cool. And yeah, and then, I don't know, I just grew out of it. When I graduated from SUNY Albany, I decided to get a master's degree and as part of that, I joined the Peace Corps. So I was down in the Dominican Republic and it, you just realize, oh, I don't have a lot of people to play soccer with. So yeah. started running. Nice, nice. Hey, what'd you go to school for? My undergrad is biology and philosophy, and I have two master's degrees. One's in natural resources and one is public health epidemiology. Oh, wow. That's What did you do in Dominican? That volunteer stint. So I was in the Peace Corps twice. The first yeah. time in 2000. I was an agroforestry volunteer, so I was planting trees, community tree gardens, tree nurseries along the Haitian border in the Dominican yeah. Republic. Yeah, and so it's 27 months. That's how long Peace Corps is. You have three months of training and then a two-year commitment. You live in a village. In my case, I lived in a hut with no water, no electricity, with the villagers, where the trees are needed. Yeah, you speak. everyone speaks Spanish. It was a pretty cool experience for sure. It changes your life once you do it. And actually, it happens to be National Peace Corps Week. Oh, really? Oh, cool. Yeah, 62 years old. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, we've been celebrating all week. I work for the federal government now, so it's a pretty big deal. We hire a lot of, we call them RPCVs. And so, yeah, it just happens to be this week as well. That's awesome. And I have my, my connection with the Dominican Republic was I was, I did ministry at a church and we went, I went there to visit people doing ministry things there in the Dominican. And I went spend a little over a week there and looking at some of the things that they were doing to help the people and and the church I was a part of still sends people today periodically to go and help with a lot of different things out there. But what's funny is I'm from South Louisiana. We grew up speaking French and I get over there and everything's Spanish, but I could speak to the Haitians. I was going to say that Creole probably fit right in. Yeah, I could I can understand and stuff, but but it, anyway, it was pretty pretty humbling in a lot of ways. The things that you see and I guess you traveling though, you got to see a lot of the world. But I don't know, did you get to see a lot of what you dealt with out there? I got to say, when you live in a mud hut for five years of your life with no water, it puts in perspective running on trails. You're suffering, sure, but it's, yeah, but eventually this is going to be over. Yeah, yeah. So I it's... think one of the biggest takeaways is just the ability to suffer and put in perspective your mm. life, actually. Yeah, yeah. Man, it, it, it just, it's a reminder of, of how, I don't know, how truly blessed we are and fortunate to be where we are, have the things that we have. And I don't know, it's just a reminder to my older kids. We we went to some of the rougher parts of Mexico to do ministry things and all. And it really, they were teenagers at the time. It opened their eyes to a lot. I think yeah. it's a healthy thing to see. My second stint was Zambia during the 2016 presidential election. And you know, wh whatever you your beliefs are, when candidate Trump kept saying, make America great again, and I'm living in a mud hut in Africa, I thought, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty great. <laughs> they got roads, yeah, they got lights, yeah, it's kind of a funny, yeah. funny situation. Yeah, that's definitely a perspective, man. No, that's really awesome. So you, yeah, that's cool that you got to, to experience that. So you get to... So you're running and I'm looking, looking at your ultra sign up. You just, you started running. When did you discover trails and ultras? How did you go from just running to run from soccer to, uh, to starting to do these races? Yeah. It's funny because I started running down in your area. I was down, I lived in Pottsboro, Texas okay. for six years, which is just North of Austin college and Sherman's on the border on Lake Texoma. I was okay. Yeah. I was wondering yep. why you had so many Oklahoma races. Mm -hmm. Like, what, yep. is, what is up with that? Yeah. And I met Diane Sulcer, a couple other really awesome ladies that traveled all over doing marathons. And yeah. we met at the gym and I just started going with them. And it was, I was like, oh, I guess we can do this. Yeah. And then one day we, I think it was Kathy and Runners World, World Tulsa was my first real set of ultras. And I think that was my first 50K way back. Gosh, that must have been 2005 or 2006. I don't even know. Yeah. I'm not even sure there was ultra sign up back then. Yeah, yeah it's not on there. nothing on there. Your yeah. first one is Cross Timbers, which is a great race, by the way. I've been there. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Teresa and those folks do a great job. And that was like my backyard. So that was yeah. a group I hung out with when I was learning how to run ultras back in Texas. 
Yeah. So you re- you ended up your first fifty k was one with that Kathy put on then, right? Yep. Yeah, I still so- have the headband I bought from her store with a bunch of peace signs on it. So many years ago, despite all the moves I've made, I don't know. I've kept that headband, which is I always think of her when I put it on. I love that. But I've had Kathy on the podcast before too, and I love Runner's World. They're they've got my vibe. They're just. They're my people, man. I just, I love, and they're a sponsor of the podcast too. So it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's amazing. The stuff she was busting out a few years ago and last year, she's just cranking them out. Yeah. She does this thing where they do three or four hundreds back to back every week. Quite a few. Yeah. She's up to, I don't, I forgot what number she's at 40 something hundreds. <laughs> she's, a lot. She's just cranking yeah. them out. Yeah. No. The, so that's good. Which, do you remember what, which race it was that you did the 50 K? Was it like Turkey and Taters or? I think it was Turkey and Taters. Now that you say that. Yes. Because my mom stole the shirt. <laughs> yeah, I remember. She's oh, this is so cute. And she wears all my shirts. And then she makes up stories that people ask her about the races. It's comical. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That that's pretty awesome. That connection here. And we've got we've got a great trail running community around here. I don't know, people realize in this area how fortunate we are because there are a lot of areas where people just have to do it alone and anybody new to the sport in this area has a lot of people to talk to to ask questions to feed off of and kind of like where you live now there's a lot of people out there yeah i would agree the community down there is super inclusive and i found everyone to be very friendly and helpful i guess Back when I started it, it was still a bit newer ultra yeah. running. It was, it was more the roadrunners. And Texas has a huge roadrunner community. Yeah, there's races every weekend if you wanted to race. But that's where I started because of that supportive community. And I met a lot of them at the gym, which was just a nice segue because, you know, we really knew each other spending all those hours together and traveling a lot. It was super cool. We met all over the U.S. doing marathons. And then, like I said, eventually started doing ultras. Yeah. So when you jumped into the ultras, the 50K, you drank the Kool-Aid, as we <laughs> call it. And, and I'm not I'm just, just glancing at your ultras. You got a lot of races on here. Like you really drank the Kool-Aid and dove in. How did you did you find like when you started switching from road races to ultras? How did you find like you responded to it, your body and your did you this was a good transition? Did you get more sore, tired or just fall into it and love it? Yeah, I since we haven't met in real person and pictures probably don't tell the story as well. I'm basically like one tiny little muscle. I don't often get hurt, knock on wood. I can yeah. go pretty much forever. So yeah. I actually found that I my body type was much more tailored to ultra running and being on the trails for a long time. So even now a 50K would seem really fast to me and I probably am not that interested. And if you look, I haven't run many 50Ks as of late and maybe a 50 miler is like the lowest I'll go. Yeah. Because I, I do feel like I could just keep going for a long time. And yeah. so I've never, yeah, I don't recall having any major injuries. Yeah. How tall are you? A lot more. Oh, 4'11 on a good day. Well, okay. That's I, why I they, five foot. Because when you did Outlaw, which we need to get to, they posted a picture and they called you, they were said they called you the little engine that could. (laughs) Yep. No, I get it all the time. I get it all the time. Yeah. I don't notice it because I feel like I have a pretty big personality, but I am a smaller person for sure. (laughs) So the funny thing is my family jokes, because I did live in Texas and there used to be this billboard on the highway that said, if you're under 4'10", you need a car seat. (laughs) (laughs) i was like man how am i gonna drive my jeep in a car seat i'm I'm in trouble that's great that's great yeah so you started with 50k but then like you said you gravitated from then to to longer races i guess you you feel like that's where you thrive because you just just strong and can grind it out yeah i don't think i'm a very talented runner i think i can just i'm pretty good at suffering okay for long periods of time, yeah. I can compartmentalize the that part of it and keep on going. And I just legit to run. Yeah, yeah. So it's it doesn't <laughs> feel that every day. Obviously, some days everyone feels again. But in general, I just like getting out there and being in nature and getting from one point A to point B. My favorite thing to do is to pick a spot like 30 miles away and just go run there and then take public, trans- public transit back or something of that yeah. like that. Yeah, I just like to run. That's pretty awesome. Now here in Oklahoma, if you pick a point and you run to it, you better f- call an Uber or something. We don't do public <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Based on outlaw, I'm not sure you want to call an Uber either. That was a bit scary. Yeah, yeah. Like, Where yeah, are I? Pretty, pretty rural out there, man. It's pretty nothing. Yeah. 
Oh. For sure. I was driving from the airport to get down to the race and I'm like, Jeremy did not mention any of this. And then it started <laughs> snowing and I was like, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. The snow right before. And you're like, I'm in Oklahoma. What is it? Yeah, did exactly. you hear the banjos? Did you hear the yeah, banjos? No. <laughs> I listened to a couple books. And I tried yeah, to not... keep my mind occupied. <laughs> nice, nice. So what was your first, what was your first hundred? Yeah, funny you ask. So way back, I don't think this is true anymore, but back in the day, Burning River was like the national championships for hundreds. And they didn't have a 50. They didn't have the relay. They just had the hundred. Okay. And that must, I want to say it was 2012. Is it on there? I don't even remember. I think I did see it on there. Let's see. We're going to look it up. We're going to make sure. Uh, You got a lot of races. No, I don't. Oh yeah. Burning River. Yep. 2011, June, 2011. Okay. There you go. And so you couldn't have a watch. You couldn't have pacers because it was the championship. And so you could run it with a watch and pacers, but then you weren't, wouldn't be in the championship. Okay. Gotcha. And I remember it was cool because they had all these trainings. You could go so you could check out the course, relieve your nerves a little bit. And all I remember is that morning running along and Connie Gardner is right next to me. And she looks at me and she's, who are you? And I looked at her. I'm like, I'm no one. I am no one. (laughs) Hail down. Hail down. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You did fantastic. A championship and you placed fourth. Yeah, I earned my race back. So I got the money back I spent on the race, which was pretty cool. That's And my whole family was there. Yeah, it was a really good experience. All around positive. So I always like to ask this because I'm looking in, in July 9th, you did a 50 miler. So this was this your first hundred miler. How did you train for it? What did you do differently that you had maybe been doing for some of your other races? And how did you, how'd you do it? How'd you get ready? Yeah, I have a, even now I that I'm a little more comfortable experience. You could say, I don't like to look at the course ahead of time too much. I know a little mm-hmm. bit like, okay, I need to train for up or down or water. But I would say for Burning River, I was super, super nervous. I will make one other caveat, which also connects there. I was so nervous. So I went to every training run. They did a 50K on that trail every weekend. You could go up and run with the runners club up there. I was living in London, Ohio at the time, which is a couple hours south of the race. Okay. I just go up for the weekend and run with them and then go back, go back to work. And I say that because that's exactly what I did for Moab because that was my first 200 was Moab 240. And I had swept the course the year before. So I knew that course. Okay. If if it's new distances, I like to at least check out the terrain. Yeah. And be familiar with it. Because I want to try to take out as many unknowns as I can. Yeah. Yeah. You have to problem solve so often. I'd rather know a few things if it's a new distance. We're going to talk about Moab because I'm going to Moab again this year. And but yeah, we're going to talk about Moab. We're going to get there. I need to, I need your help. All right. We're going to talk. We're going to talk Moab. I've swept the course twice and ran it once. So I'm pretty familiar with it. All right. We're going to talk. Okay. But, <laughs> but so yeah, so you were familiar. And I, I was going to ask you because I noticed I can, it's funny how you can tell a little bit. I noticed a cluster of races around Ohio. And so it's, mm-hmm. you were in Ohio at the time. So yeah, you got to. So there is something to be said of doing some recon on the course a little bit, if you can. Yeah, just to alleviate those nerves. I think some of the folks that are either newer to a distance or newer to the sport, they almost shoot themselves in the foot by not, they just get so nervous and they, yeah. and they start building up these things in their mind that just go check it out, go yeah. with someone else, process it with people and hear their horror stories. Like, oh, that went wrong for you. That might go wrong for me. I should be aware of that. Yeah. I think it helps a lot. And I, I actually run with a lot of newer runners up here in Colorado just because it's, I want them to be successful. So I want yeah. them to have someone they can ask questions to and talk about the upcoming races. I've done a significant number of them up here. So I feel like I can at least offer some advice. Yeah, no, and that's important, man. And that's giving back. I ran with a guy Saturday who's just getting into ultras. And because I remember when I started, I would just, we have a, a South from South Louisiana originally, and we have a great running community down there, a great ultra community trail runners. And man, I probably, I'd, I'd apologize to people after we'd run against like, If I ask too many questions, cause I'm <laughs> training for a race and man, just like us, they love, I love help. If I can help somebody not make the stupid mistakes I've made, man. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so one of the reasons I want to talk about Moab is I DNF'd it a few years ago and I did a whole podcast on what, Hey, here's what yeah. went down. Here's how I crack. It's called what crashing. mile did you get to? I just got to 71. The, what is the that it, first it was, time you can see crew? That's a rough one. 
Yeah. And I, I, I'll share with you, I'll share with you what happened there yeah. when we get there, but anyway, we'll get there, but yeah. And, but I love being same. I love just being able to help others. And I needed those people to ask questions because I didn't know what I was doing. And I think it's interesting. There's been this push to try to get more women into the sport. And I appreciate all of the efforts having feminine hygiene products and the people have talked about childcare and deferral policy, but honestly, I think the number one thing is just knowing other people that do it. Yeah. And just having someone you can process with, get together, do group Mm -hmm. runs, and uh, just alleviate all of those unknowns and those questions that you might have. Yeah. Yeah. And for people listening, those that just thinking about getting into it, just find people, find the group in your area, trail runners and ultra runners, for the most part, just love sharing, love helping others. And so don't be afraid, show up at group runs and just talk to people <laughs> just kidding. yeah and honestly if they don't like helping others i don't really consider them a real ultra runner that's what I our community agree. is it's changed yeah. a little but those i like the old school stuff and the other thing is if you're last at the group run who cares we'll wait yeah. we'll, you'll catch up we'll figure it out there's no judgment at our and those group runs that's why you have a group run exactly don't worry about pace no. I, i've gotten that so many times oh my pace just do just come run with me just whatever tell me slow down i don't care whatever right. <laughs> you know? exactly it's about the it's about the community the company and just covering miles together it's good yeah totally agree yeah yeah so you did burning river how it went we went well with time wise but it was your first time at, at that distance how did your body respond to that did you sore beat up yeah pretty sore a lot of chafing because mm-hmm. i didn't know about those sorts of things for long yeah. periods. 50K is a lot different than running 100 miles. Yeah. So yeah. I would say the chafing lesson I learned pretty sore. I'm not great at tapering again, because I like to run. So yeah. didn't I did that a little bit, but I probably could have done a little bit more of that. And also dialing in my nutrition mm-hmm. probably was something I fell into the, to the trap of, oh, if there's gels there, I probably should have gels or these special gummies. And I've learned in my old age of 46, I just like regular old food. Just, yeah, That's what yeah. I'm used to. Nothing new, nothing crazy. I'll, electrolyte, I'm pretty good at drinking whatever's available. That's good. That's a big plus because once again, we'll talk about Moab. And- <laughs> yeah. that's what- <laughs> I think you were talking to someone about Moab on one of your podcasts and <laughs> yeah, I heard yeah, you guys yeah, complaining yeah, about yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's what happened. Anyway, <laughs> but, but it's pretty cool. And even like your first rate, you learn, you learn so much. Hey, here's a question I like to ask on your first 100 miler. Did your feet swell after? My feet swell every time. Really? I look like a sausage woman. Yep. My <laughs> everything woman. below the knee it was just huge. It doesn't really? matter what it is. My shoes don't fit. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's my electrolyte imbalance yeah. or what. It's not a soreness of pain. It's just huge. Yeah. Does it happen during the race? Not that I noticed, but after running Moab, I learned to bring a half a size up for my last yeah. 50 miles because I definitely noticed my, I lost a lot of my toenails and I think a lot of it was just because my shoe was starting to get tighter. So I don't notice it except yeah. that my shoe isn't fitting it quite the same way. And I, I tell people towards the end of anything over a hundred or maybe even a hundred, depending on your experience, you want those thin socks. Like you mm-hmm. really want to try to maximize your shoe space because yeah. your foot probably is going to be swelling at some point. The, one of the reasons I asked is because there's, and I've talked to a few people was the same after I did my first hundred in South Louisiana, which it was Cajun Coyote at the time. Now it's the Lugaru. And I trained on the course and everything. My feet swole up after it looked like, remember the cabbage patch dolls with their, oh, yeah. they look like that. But it hasn't happened since. And I've done the really? Tahoe 200. I've done 1600. I've done a book and it hasn't happened since, but it's my, and then somebody else told me that their feet, their first hundred did the same thing, but that was it. And no, it's, it's just a running a joke thing. at my house. Yeah. No, just, no shoes fit. <laughs> yeah. It's bad. You just like to run everyone like it's the first time. That's yeah, exactly. Oh, the memories. <laughs> the memories. Me and Connie side by side for five <laughs> seconds and it was glorious. <laughs> there you go. There you go. From then on, I'm looking at your ultra sign up and you continued on. You were still doing 50Ks and stuff. What, how would you decide this is a race that I'm going to do? Like this is because over the last, I don't know, man, five years, I, I did my first ultra in, in 2003. 13 hundred miler and you had to pick and choose, but there are so many now to choose from. Yeah. How would you go about choosing your next race and figure out what your goal race would be? Yeah. If you look back then, I pretty much did any of them I could find, which yeah. was not the best plan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. going to admit that fully. It's That's there. You did it. 
Yes, exactly. And now I think that I'm a little bit older and I've had a little few more experiences. I've both good and bad. I've really started looking at meeting race directors and trying to support races where I want to support that race director. I like it. And it can be tough because it's not always a course that I'm super, super interested in. But I think in the end, that's what's better for the sport. I'm going to have a better time. And just like I learned at Jackalope Jam last year, which is a ridiculously dumb thing to run around a cone. And this year at Outlaw, gosh, the community that you can surround yourself with is more important than the most scenic view from a mountaintop and get that anytime. So now my renewed focus, in the, I guess, in the last four or five years is seeking out those race directors that I want to support and I want them to continue. I like that. I really like that. I, I And I guess living here in Oklahoma, and we have some beautiful areas in, in Oklahoma and then South Louisiana in their own route, in their own way. But I'm always trying to just get away to the mountains. I'm trying to, I'm trying to go where you live. So it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it helps that I just walk out my front door in Golden and I can go up seven different mesas and oh, see vistas. I don't like that's you. not my priority <laughs> just anymore. Just <laughs> yeah, I know. we get a lot of visitors, I can tell you yeah, that. Yeah, I bet. I bet. No, but that's a good I, kudos for that. That is important, especially with a lot of races popping up now, a lot of race directors, and, and we've seen it. I've seen it. There are some that are, you can tell the ones that really love the sport, love the people, love the community and try to foster that. And and I'm not just saying that because because he sponsors the podcast, Jeremy and his the outlaw races, man, I love the community there. I run with them. I know them. And it's a good thing. They want to take care of runners. They want people to have a great experience running ultras, seeing parts of Oklahoma. And and I've been around race directors. I just won't do their races anymore. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to badmouth them, but I don't yeah. want to show up either. Yeah. yeah, I would say since Outlaw, which really was what, three weeks ago now, I feel like I've gained like 50 new friends. Love you know, it. It's yes. Been yes. Wonderful. And meeting new people and getting their perspectives and listening to their goals and watching them on Facebook. It's been really great. That's fantastic. I love it. I'm glad you had a good experience here. And we're going to we're going to unpack Outlaw because I want to get your perspective. <laughs> Yes. Somebody who runs all over the place, who's done all these things in mountains. I have to get your perspective and Jeremy would probably shoot me if I didn't. <laughs> so, Well, I, apparently you need to show up. This is what I've heard. <laughs> he, no, he didn't. He does it on my Valentine weekend. That's my anniversary and Valentine weekend. So I need to get out gotta there. got to make I a do. commitment. You can I've run with a rose or something. Yeah, I, I get to. <laughs> There's cabins. You could just deck out a cabin, make it real romantic. And then there you go and go get out. sweaty. Tell her, hey, just could you meet me at an aid station over there? Just, <laughs> yeah. I'll give you a kiss. <laughs> not sure that you want to meet some your bride at Shorty's <laughs> brothel. I'm not sure that's going to bring home the I love you message. That's right. Probably not. She'll probably just say, I'm going to stay here and hang out and you yeah. go do your right. stupidity out there. So, yeah. So you continued on doing just all these races. What has been up until, I don't know, what's been your best experience? Your, your I don't know, your greatest experience doing these hundred milers and these ultras. Yeah. I don't want to be a total dork and say, I actually like pacing people more than running them myself. It's just, there's no pressure. I'm really helping someone achieve a goal Yeah, that a lot of times it's not their first hundred, but it's one of the hardest ones. Usually if my friends are calling me into pace, it's because they're like, eh, I'm not sure I'm going to finish this. So I'm going to yeah. call in Chris and I'm a little bit of a, tough love person. I, okay. always, I like to tell my runners if they want to stop and take pictures, nobody wants pictures of a race they didn't finish. <laughs> yeah. We get there. We get there. So yeah, I really, I enjoy that a lot. My, I think one of my first pacing gigs was pacing my brother at Run Rabbit Run. He's done one hunt. He's on my crew. He's my go-to person. I have two people that I just I rely on heavily as my pacers and my brother is one of them. He's eight years younger than me. Okay. He, he did run rabbit for his first and only hundred. And it was just great to see him finish and have a lot of those talks with him that he had with me. And of course, bring him a lot of dorky, terrible eighties music that I know he would hate, but I thoroughly enjoyed with you. I'm with yeah. you. Yeah. I'm right there He's with you. Lopper all day long. Bop <laughs> with the best of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I've done a lot of great races. Finishing Moab was pretty epic. I will say I had, I have a thing about not knowing what place I'm in. I don't like knowing my crew yeah. knows that another yeah. runners tell me it stresses me out. Cause I'm already trying my very best. It's not going to yeah. make me go faster. And so when I finished Moab and found out I was second, that was pretty awesome because I had no way. I just kept showing up at aid stations and I would say to my crew, where is everybody? And they're like, don't worry about it. Just keep going. I was like, okay. 
That's great. That was, I love that was a moment. Yeah, for sure. So well, that's pretty interesting. Let's talk about that mindset for a second, because I know when I, you know, when it gets tough, it gets hard. And, I, and I, people say, oh, you must, these distances must be easy. No, if you're running even a 50K, 50 mile, if you're pushing yourself, if you're trying to get the most out of yourself, they all hurt. They all, they, yeah. you hit low points in all of them. And when I'm racing, when I'm not just running a race, when I'm racing, sometimes it, sometimes it helps me if I'm trying to catch somebody, but if I know somebody's on my heels, it stresses me out. So it's, it's so weird. I don't know. How do you tap into just always giving your best, no matter what? That's, that sounds pretty, I don't know. That's, yeah. I, sometimes I think I am until I find out I, I could catch somebody, then I find some more. Yeah, I'm a pretty intense personality. I think anyone okay. that knows me would say that pretty much right off the bat. <laughs> Usually my nickname growing up was Extreme Christine. I was pretty I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I you know, I, I don't know. I guess when it gets people probably ask you this too, how do you deal with it? if it gets really hard and terrible and then I say, yeah. I just plan for it. It is going to get hard and terrible. Like, yeah. I'm just expecting it to be hard and terrible. Yeah. And sometimes I convince myself like an outlaw because I mean, doing seven miles, five times the same loop <laughs> and muddier and muddier, the saving grace was coolers full of beer, which <laughs> seemed to be sprinkled at the seven miles. Yeah. yeah. I just told myself I could wallow in my own pity or I could just get my butt moving, get to the mm. end faster because no one's coming to help me. Yeah. But I just got to keep on keeping on. Yeah. And that's what I tell runners that I coach and people I help. I was like, look, it's going to, it's going to suck. It's going to get to the yep. point where it's going to hurt. You've got to just make that decision now, who you're going to be when that happens, you know, how you're going to handle it, what your mindset's going to be. Just make that decision now to embrace it. Trope, sure. Find out why maybe you need to eat some more. Maybe you need some right. calories, some electrolytes, some dehydration, troubleshoot, but make that decision now to, to figure it out and keep moving. And it's not the end of the world. I think some folks, they get to that low point. They're like, oh man, it's all over. I can't believe this. And so just anticipate it's going to happen. And everyone goes through this. It's totally normal. You'll get right back out of it. You might even get go down again and come right back up again. It could happen many times and it's normal. Don't overreact. Yeah. In a hundred miler, where's your, where's your usual low point? I know we all have those kind of spots that, that, that get us more normally. Gosh, the second night. So it's not usually a distance. It's more if I'm going into night two, yeah. I'm making some decisions. Do I need to sleep? This is getting hard now because now I've been up for a significant amount of time. Yeah. So I would say there isn't a real distance. And two things at the time, if I'm getting to night two, yeah. but then secondly, if it's a the same loop over and over, if I can be like, oh man, I got three more of these. And then yeah. I'm like, oh, I got two more of these. And so just reminding yourself, okay, one step at a time. But I would say those are my low points when I'm hitting night two or when I'm counting down a big loop. Yeah. Yeah. There, I ask because I have your typical later 60, 70, sometimes I hit it, but I've had races before hundred milers where I'm like mile 25, 35, I hit a low and I'm like, what the, what is it? This is early. And just, but now the experience I know, okay, just keep you come out of it and I'll probably hit another one around 50, 60, 70. Yeah, right. <laughs> the only one if it's that early. Yeah, I did Black Hills and I, man, I was chasing, I got 20 miles off course, which is terrible oh. for a hundred. Yeah. So I was barely even making it in. And I remember hitting a lot of low points early in that race. And so that was definitely one of my harder races. But again, you just pull yourself out and keep on going. What are you going to do? Stop. That's what I always tell myself. What's the alternative? Yeah. Yeah. What do, yeah. <laughs> just, just keep going. Just <laughs> yeah, get out of here. <laughs> walk if I have to. I get it done. Get it done. So speaking of one of my, my first, I was just pretty fortunate. My first hundreds were pretty, pretty quick, but the first one that I, and I did that took me longer than 24 hours. And I see, we share that one is a silver heels. <laughs> oh yes. No silver heels. Yeah. And that I had done the 50 miler there before as a training race where you started at night. And so I knew it was going to be tough and talking about mentally, I prepared myself mentally for the, I was like, all right, this is going to be a grind. I just know it's going to be a grind. Yeah. How, how did you, what'd you think about that? And I'm a well, flat gotta, so. <laughs> Yeah. I got to tell you when, say what you want about HPRS, but the courses are phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. The views. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's, they're always unforgettable. Always yeah. unforgettable. Yeah. 
and Silver Heels is local to me. So I had my regular crew as well as extended family just because it was free camping. And so they're camping out along the course. <laughs> I knew a lot of the runners because I was in the HPRS community back then. So that was really neat, nice. Yeah. And my family knew a lot of them because they had either been around the other races or volunteered with the races. So I'd say that one was definitely one of my favorites for all of those reasons. And it, yeah. it happened to be my boyfriend's birthday. And so I actually ran and he was volunteering at an aid station, I actually ran up and pulled a card out of my running pack and That's handed cool. it to him at the aid station. So a lot of good memories for that race, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, I enjoy it. was good, but it was a grind, man. It was. Especially yeah. I like, I tell this story and you'll appreciate it being in Colorado. I was running and I'm running with this guy from France at the beginning. And he says, how long have you been here to acclimate? And I was like, I got here yesterday. He's like, oh, I've been here 15 days. And I was like, <laughs> I don't have 15 days, dude. And so I'm suffering on the courses. <laughs> yeah, you definitely are especially when you're getting up high and you stay up there for a bit. Oh yeah. It, I know at the time it was like second highest average elevation to hard rock at the time. I, I think there might be one or two higher now, but still. <laughs> yeah. Every, I feel like right now in Colorado, everyone's trying to one up and everyone, I, I'm so tired of hearing the phrase. I want to be a, the hard rock of the blobbity blah. Just let hard rock be what it is. Be your yeah. own race. But That's, yeah, just find you a cool mountain range and run make yeah. the trails. <laughs> Yeah, but yep, Silver Heels is definitely a good one. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's scoot forward. What made you get your sights set on Moab? Was that your first was that your first 200? Yeah, yep. Okay. It's a little known secret that if you sweep the course, any of those 200s, you get a free entry to any of the 200s the following calendar year. Oh, and nice. so <laughs> I don't even remember how I found out about that. And I signed up, I went by myself the first time I swept, met, it was funny. I don't feel like I look like an ultra runner. And that when I'm first meeting people, at least in the running community, I try to keep to myself. I'm not really good at about talking about myself or running. I certainly don't like to brag. It's just not how I was raised. Right. And so I showed up to sweep the course with all these new people and they I remember this guy who is also sweeping. Are you sure you can handle these distances? <laughs> and I just looked at him and was like, yeah, yep, you got it. Sure. You sure I got it. it. Thanks, so. though. I was pretty humble about it. And when I swept, I thought, oh, no chance I would ever do this race. And then by the end of it, I don't know, the community, the excitement that people felt, yeah. and the idea to do something just that incredible with your body to go that far. Yeah. I think the harder part was convincing my crew that this was a good idea. <laughs> like you want us to do for how long? What? Yeah. Exactly. If you're out there, you, we're going to have to be out there. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. That's and uh, I actually rented a bunch of cabins at the KOA because it's the south side of town. Okay. So if you know the course, most of it's happening on the south side. Though very yeah. little is happening around town itself, and it's less expensive anyway. And they had, that way, those crew members that were awake could be in one cabin, crew members that were asleep could be in another cabin and so on and so forth. And we brought our camper. And so it actually worked out pretty well as far as getting to me at each of the aid stations. Funny thing is my tracker didn't work. Oh, what? yeah. Yeah. And of course I don't know that. Yeah. So I would get to an aid station and they would be like, Oh, are you Christine Tokars? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, okay. And they take, okay, we need to make sure we write down exactly when you're here, when you're left. Cause they didn't back then. I think er, in earlier years, it wasn't common that the trackers would not be working. I think now they have contingency plans if that yeah, does happen. Yeah. But when I ran it or they just didn't have any extras that particular year and it put a toll on my crew because yeah, they, they don't realize. True. Yeah. Cause I'm starting in the middle of the pack, like everybody else. Yeah. I actually had a rough first 10 miles. So I slowed down. I was like, I'm getting ahead of myself. It's 240. You're yeah. going to be out here the whole time. It could yeah. take you every last minute. Who knows? Yeah. And there was a couple, I didn't even know who Annie Hughes was or any of the other girls. Cause I, but I hate looking at ultra sign up before a race. Cause again, I don't want to yeah. know. I just <laughs> do my thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm running along. I'm starting to pick off people and I know the course, so I know what's coming next as far as what's going to be hard or what's going to be in, in easier. And I'm not going to get lost because I've already yeah. swept the course. I'm pretty familiar. Yeah. And yeah, and which was stressful because my crew doesn't know I'm getting faster and getting ahead of everyone. Yeah. So they had to, they spent many hours waiting for me and get at aid stations once they realized what was going on, because my boyfriend would keep calling into headquarters and Garrett would be like, oh yeah, she just passed there. You better get to the next aid station. And blah, blah, blah. But the real thing was, imagine all the other girls who are up front who are super competitive. 
they had no idea I was there. And you were sneaking up on them, man. That's kind of funny. That probably yeah. worked to your advantage. It's complete advantage. Because <laughs> by the time they see my, I got a tracker, which was maybe like 120, yeah. mile 120, when it was like, oh man, she's already, I don't know, I probably was at third or second by then already. And I think Annie and I just hung on to it for the rest of the race. Nice. So how did you, okay, so you were familiar with the course, which is fantastic. How did you plan? Because I did the Tahoe 200 in 2018 and it's so hard when you don't, you just don't know what you don't know. Even though you Mm -hmm. swept the course, like you don't know once it gets further in the race at mile, I don't know, eight station mile 120, when am I going to hit that? It could be a swing of 10 hours, depending on what's going on and how you're feeling and, and to try to what am I going to need? Is it going to be daytime? Is it going to be nighttime? So how did you, how did you plan for that? Did you get meticulous or did you just have a pretty open plan? Yeah, I would say I really like climbing. That was my favorite thing to do. And so I knew where the two climbs were. So I knew when it was going to get really tough. Okay. So that, that definitely helped because it doesn't, when you do that first climb before Shay, not Shay climb, the one before it, you're just endless. You're like, when is this going to end? It's curvy. You don't see the top and having that knowledge of when you're going to stop, I think is super super helpful. Yeah. The second thing I'll say is I folks like Jeremy and those of you that show up to those 200s without a crew, I don't know how you do it to be honest because yeah. relying on where Candace decides to put a sleep station is not what I'm going to do. I yeah. we we have a giant a giant tundra and like I said I'm little, right? So it didn't yeah. whatever aid station that truck was at could be my sleep station, no yeah. problem. Yeah. And my crew was just ready for me. So when I hit 140, I was starting to hallucinate. And I was actually, my pacer at that time had done the 240, the two years prior to that. And she's, you're hallucinating. You haven't slept yet. Let's go down for an hour and a half. And then you can bust out the last hundred. And it worked yeah. out perfectly, but that's not a sleep station. It, so it, with those folks that do it without a crew, hats off to them. For, for the 200, my wife was my crew. And we, luckily we, when we got to the, we were going to get just a whatever vehicle, but the lady at the airport had a, the lady before me was really mean to her and I was really nice. So she upgraded me to this nice big suburban <laughs> nice. with, and, I, and so I had room to, to, so I was able to sleep at some non-sleep stations for Tahoe. Wasn't as fortunate for, for my Moab, but. <laughs> yeah. Tahoe's easier for aid. Yeah. Yeah. It, Moab is hard because it's tough. Yeah. Moab. And that's where it helps being from here because we race in Moab on the shoulder seasons. Okay. We know that terrain to some extent, the roads and what they're going to be like. So I think that really helps a lot when you're going out there. Yeah. 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 So it sounds like you had a great experience. How did you do fueling and stuff? What did you carry with you? How much, what kind of, what pack did you use? I'd like to find out what everybody's using. What did you use? Yeah. The Solomon 12. Uh, that's, I actually just picked up a five because I realized the 12 is too much for some of my smaller races. And yeah. that's all I have. I'm the minimalist. Okay. What I like to do is head off to Goodwill, grab some clothes I don't care about. And then as I shed them throughout the race, I, I don't care. I just throw them yeah. away. Yeah. No big deal. Have tons of gloves for that same reason. I, you rarely see me in nice running clothes, maybe shorts because the chances of me taking my shorts off are probably pretty yeah. fun, not including shorty's brothel. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So... I'm pretty minimal. And what I bring in my pack, I rarely have food in my pack. I can wait till an aid station. Really? Even at Moab? Yeah, I don't think I brought any food. If I did, I grabbed it on my way out and ate it. I don't. So when I go to an aid station, generally I put out my hand and I say, okay, I need five things. What are those five things? If I don't have a crew and then I just count them down, grab those five things, I'm out. If I'm at an aid station more than five minutes, that's rare. That is very rare. So even at a big race like that, because... Cause I allow myself a little more time to sit there and I'll eat a cheeseburger and a wolf I'm popping it in stuff. a Ziploc. I'm walking along with it. Going to keep nice. moving forward. Okay. So you, that man, everybody's got their, their, and that it's working for you. Saves you know? a lot of time and motivation. There's no, I don't have time to say, am I going to keep going? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. When you get comfortable with the chair. Yeah. No, <laughs> no chairs, no chairs. Do you take a little longer for when your cruise there? It'll take a little bit more time to, or you just get what I need and go even when you cruise there. Yeah. I'd say the difference is when my crew's there, since they were tight, they know me. Yeah. So my brother will be like, no, we're eating ramen right now. You're not moving until you eat okay. this or you're changing your shoes right now. And I just listen. We have this enough trust that I know they know what's best for me. I'm never going to, I'm never going to think that they're wrong for sure. Yeah. So there will be times when I spend a little more, but that's only based on if they really need me to do something. They know enough and think about it. They know where I am in the race too, yeah. which is knowledge I don't have. So they're also like, okay, Sometimes I can tell because my boyfriend gets more and more nervous, the better I'm doing. And so when he's really at a high level, 
<laughs> at Mogion, I knew it was going to be a rough one. And I brought two good, great pacers, good friend, my brother and my friend, Cindy. And I decided that his stress level was going to be too much for my crew. And so he volunteered the whole time. Okay. And yeah. I don't know if you know about volunteering for Air Viper, but it's pretty generous. You get a lot of, you get a lot of race credits. Oh, really? Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. And he doesn't run. So I basically got, yeah, I <laughs> you really used wouldn't him. You used him. <laughs> My crew was very thankful. They're like, yeah, he's stressed out. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. No, I like that though. It's a good, because you, I, and I tell runners when they're working on their first race, I said, take the time you need an aid station to make sure if you need to change socks, you need to you do an evaluation. If they're for a hundred miler, if you've got, I don't know, 10 aid stations and you take two minutes at each, that's 20 minutes or three mm -hmm. minutes or five minutes that adds up to a lot of time. And so you just got to be efficient. So you don't carry, I, can't, I don't carry anything. Even if you don't have those long distances, that's wild. Yeah. What did you, and what, no. I said before I'm getting to the aid station, I'm thinking of those five things I need. So I'm yeah. not waiting till I get there because I'm yeah. not making good decisions when I get there. Anyway, there's too much stimulus. There's too much going on. Yeah, no. And that's good. And for those listening, if you're not that experienced, you get runner brain. And if you don't, I like that you hold up your hands, five things for yep. whatever, Simple. because you're going to forget something. If mm -hmm. you don't have something to remember, you're going to leave the aid station. You'd be like, I forgot my batteries. I forgot to get this. I needed salt tabs or whatever. Yeah. And you're going to be something forget. critical. Yeah. It yeah. changed yeah. the whole trajectory of the race. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. So you did that. What did you use for your electrolytes from Moab? Whatever they had. I don't even know. It okay. was actually one of the, usually in my bladder, I only put water because gosh, no, cleaning those things out is terrible. Oh, nasty, yeah. So <laughs> I knew I was trashing it at the end of the race. I was like, yeah. ah, I need electrolytes for this one. There's no way I'm going to make it on just water. Yeah. So whatever they had, I don't even know. They, I think they had, they usually have tailwind. And then they had the year I was there, they had the green stuff. Um, I heard about the green stuff. Yeah, that's The green stuff is what did me in. I had a bladder full of it. And then yeah. started throwing literally it both waters full of it. Yeah, exactly. Well, and then it all came up, and then the yeah. ground was full of it. <laughs> I got severely dehydrated because I, I mean, that that spot. Oh man, what's the name? It's a long distance, and then I don't know why they put that water station where they do, but it's that four, you got four miles to the water helpful. station, and then twenty miles after. Like, I think the distance maybe could have been averaged out a yeah. little bit better. Sweeping that part is always terrible too. It's the worst part to sweep because you're there's so much carnage. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that, that's the roughest. And that's what did me. I mean, I was severely dehydrated. I, I told one guy, I was like, dude, to tell him if my number quits moving, somebody <laughs> come get me because it's bad. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, that was, that was my thing. So you, did you hear what they're doing this year though? I don't think it's not quite set in stone, but they're probably going to start it at noon. Ooh, a noon start. Rough. So I think so. I'm back and forth with it in my head because I, I like the early because it's nice and cool early. You can, man, get some miles in. But I think it's going to help because that section you're talking about, yeah, it'll be true. a little, it'll be a little later. And so I think that's the reasoning for it. Yeah, I think it's just it's just rough to have a later start. A lot of us are morning runners and to I'm just kind of sit around and do what? I mean, and I can't sleep late, so it's going to be I'm going to have to really try to make myself chill and relax and try to yeah. try to sleep late. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be tough. I'm going to have to figure that the out. The other thing I was thinking when you asked me something and I didn't mention it is before a race, I think it's really important to have a team meeting. So before Moab, I had my pacers, my crew, we all came to my house. I had drinks, I had pizza, tons of food. I'm a map person. My dad was an army ranger, right? So I'm really into nice. maps. Yeah. So I had the Nat Geo map with all the course highlighted, but then I also had hand-drawn maps with my approximate times. Everyone okay. changed numbers. Like it was a real team effort to get me to the finish. And I wanted them to know how much I appreciated them. Yeah. And then Everyone talks about gifts and sure, that's great. And of course we all do that, but I think I want them to meet each other too. And to really be a crew as you would think of it traditionally. Yeah. I think a lot of me, I don't know that a lot of people do that. And I think it's an important step to really feel like you're also building a community. Yeah. They, these are people that you know and love and they obviously want to be a part of your life. And, but then you can bring them together. Ahead of, hey, look, they've got to get to know each other. They're going right. to spend inside time. Let's make sure we're all good. I think it really helps with, with that sleep station idea with that adaptability and flexibility. So they're all in, in tune with each other and they're saying, okay, now she needs to sleep. It's not my brother decided I need to sleep. They're deciding together and they're getting yeah. ready. They're making sure the cars are there and the yeah. pacer is ready and that pacer is going to be ready for the next section. So it was tremendous. I definitely couldn't have had that effort without my crew. Yeah, I love it. Dude, how many pacers did you have from Moab? Let's 
see, one, two, three, five. Wow, you had a crew, man. Yeah, yep. It was a pretty, pretty big event. We have a really awesome community here in the Colorado area. We have the Ultra Dirt Divas group, 500 ladies. And it's really just a loose Facebook group. And we all get together occasionally. You say, I'm going to run here or there. And very inclusive. So a couple of the ladies from there. Now, remember, I do a lot of pacing, too. So I, yeah. I call yeah. in a lot of favors. Yeah, yeah. Races, so I end up having to pay two for one. Yeah. So I think that really helps is that we all go out and help each other. Yeah. That's and it's a it's fantastic to I love when when I get to do that, help somebody achieve their goal. And then you get to go if they might want to do Moab at one point. Then they get to see some yeah. of the course and be a part of it. So yeah. All that to say my brother has no choice. He, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, if I die, mom and dad are going to blame you. Gonna come. <laughs> so I'm totally about guilting him 100% all the time. That's yeah. awesome. That's good. <laughs> I hope he listens. I hope he hears this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He is younger, but he is definitely the adult of the sibling relationship. <laughs> Makes much better choices than I do. That's awesome. Yeah. So he's got to, yeah, he's got to keep you alive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He knows that. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about your latest, your latest, um, adventure here in Oklahoma. Let's talk about Outlaw. So how did Outlaw get on your radar? So I ran Jackalope Jams. Well, once a year, at least since the pandemic, which isn't too many times, but I choose a race in a new state so I can meet new people and I don't bring any of my crew. I bring no one, just me, because I want to meet. If I bring them, I'm not going to, probably not going to meet that many new people. Yeah, yeah. And so the first year that I tried this little experiment was the infamous Jackalope Jam 100-hour race, which was definitely, again, making bad choices. <laughs> yes. Cone of death. It really is. Yeah. That stinking guy heard Jeremy oh. talking about that stupid cone. Yeah, it was terrible. So to remember, describe the race really quick for those that don't oh, know, yeah. those listening that don't know, describe it. So there's a variety of timed events, and I think they have everything, I think the lowest is six, six hours, 12 hours, 24, 72, and 100. And you can camp along the race course, the first, let's say, 50 to 100 feet. And basically, it's a 0.75 miles out around an orange cone, which they lovingly refer to as the cone of death, and back. It's just straight out and back. So when I say you spend 100 hours meeting new people, you they are your best friends. You and can't avoid is, anybody. If you no, don't like somebody, you're stuck with them. The front <laughs> of them, the back of them, the side <laughs> of them. You see where they're sleeping. You meet their crew if they brought any. It's definitely community building at its finest. Yes, you are intimately equated. Yes. Yeah, and I met Jeff and Jeremy. I met Brad Taylor. Yeah, I was going to ask if you met Brad. But yeah, we yeah. Ha- I happened to just set up right next to those guys, so it worked out great. And a bunch of Texas runners that were still friends. I see them now at other races and always make sure we say hi. And, of course, Facebook, everyone's connected. And I think, I don't know, it must have been day four when Jeremy's, hey, you know, I have a race. And I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, it's called Outlaw. Till day four. <laughs> yeah. He's <laughs> like, if you don't want to do this one next year, I can give you a good excuse. And I was like, okay. And I was just sitting, I never, I was out, it was over the summer, early, late spring after Jackalope. And I was just looking through Ultra Sign Up, like, okay, it's time. I need to make my choice for next year. What am I going to do? And I thought, how hard could Outlaw be? Didn't look at Ultra <laughs> Sign Up, didn't look at anything. I just read his description, like, oh, folks are getting into the longer distances. And so I have this 135 and I thought, yeah, it's not that much more than 100. How bad could it be? <laughs> and yeah, I had no idea what I was getting myself in. So Outlaw is notorious for the rocks. There are basically sections that, are, from what I'm told, that are unrunnable. <laughs> you just got just... Sections that are unrunnable? I think it's easier to say there are a few sections that, that you can run. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which is basically down to the start finish and then back out to the trail again. That's the runnable. So maybe the little road to get there. Yeah. So it's it's two, it's a big loop and then a small loop, right? Yeah. So there's a 13 mile loop and a seven mile loop. And you do that combo five times to get to a hundred. Yep. And then you do the seven mile loop five more times to get to the 135. Yeah. The cool thing is you can drop down. Yeah. So if you try, you're striving for 135 and you just don't have it in you, you can still get a buckle and be pretty proud that you finished because it's a tough one. Yeah. I forgot how many were in for the 135, but there were only three of y'all that finished the 135. Yeah. The other thing about the looped course is that you have no idea what everyone else is running either because the hundreds yeah. and the 135 start together. So it's just a big corral. And, you know, again, I don't look an ultra sign up, so I have no idea how many people are in the race. I don't, I remember reading something on Facebook because obviously I joined the out Facebook group that said the ladies 
field is stacked this year. And I thought, I wonder what that means. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <what laughs> Ooh, I hope they're not talking about me. <laughs> oh man. So you, yeah. yeah, you really got to know, got to know a lot of our, our people, man. That's cool. They're amazing. So everyone was very supportive and super friendly, attentive. I will say, I think, I think the aid stations are used to, I won't say not being competitive. I don't mean it that way. But what I mean is I just told you I'm spending three minutes, four minutes at an aid station. That was not something I'm by myself. There's, it's not a, there's not a lot of runners with you because there's so much distance between the runners. Right. And so I'm showing up and they're like, Oh, we could make you something. It'll take 30 seconds. I'm like, I don't have 30 seconds. What do you have (laughs) on the table? I'm taking it. I'm out. And I think it was a little bit of a difference (laughs) in that I would do that anytime. It doesn't matter if I thought I was winning or the last person I'm just out. That's just, yeah. They were yeah. like, man, she means business, dude. <laughs> yeah. Which really, and I think it speaks to the community, right? Because they're, they're really used to, hey, what do you need? Have a seat. Let me help you with your shoes. Let me yeah. help you with this. And I thought that was just incredible and really amazing. I, My battery wouldn't charge anything. So at one point, I did have to go to the start finish aid station and basically just beg them. I was like, please, can you charge this? Here's the cord. Here's my, I'm going to need it tonight, I'm sure. And I surely can't go out there without light. Couldn't have been nicer. Couldn't have been friendlier. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that, that's every race I've run with them. They have, they, sometimes they're having a good old time at those aid stations and you want to <laughs> hang out. You're like, Oh, I wish I didn't have to keep going. Cause you guys are having fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's definitely true. I think the only, obviously it was pretty cold the first night because we yeah. had that snow and that wet snow that would dollop down between your neck and your pack. <laughs> that was yeah. a bit of a wake up call. For sure. Yeah, gotta wake you up. Yeah. Yeah. And then it started getting muddy, which was unfortunate. I, that's right. I met Mindy at some point. She was behind me for a while. And then we got a little distance be- between us. But when she was behind me, she said, don't bother going around the water because just go yeah. through it. It's not going to get better. And I was like, yeah. great. I don't know anything about this course. So I guess I'm going to give up on going around the water. <laughs> just trudge through it and go. <laughs> yep. Just cold feet. Just get used to it. So that was helpful. And that's the kind of atmosphere it is, right? Even though I... Yeah. I think it was meant we could have been competitors. It didn't feel like that at all. Yeah. Yeah. And Minnie's run some great races. She's a strong runner and she's, but that's, yeah, that's the atmosphere. That's the culture. That's, Hey, let's help each other out. And if I beat you, it's at your best and you beat me, it's whatever. It's good. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. I totally agree. That's the vibe that I got. I actually, I, I finished at around midnight and I had a fl- I had to be in DC for work on Tuesday. So Monday, so right, I finished midnight. It's Monday basically. Yeah. I got to try to get some sleep and then a couple hours to get to the Tulsa airport. And so when I got up to re chuck my stuff in my bag and try to somehow drive up to the airport. Mindy was actually in the bathroom with her crew. I think she had just finished and she was getting her ducks in a row and I really wanted to chat it up with them. Uh, yeah. They had seen a lot more of what happened. I only saw my perspective and talked to her and just get to know her. I'd never met her before, but unfortunately I had to take off to get to the plane. But I was like, hey, I really would like to catch up sometime, but I got a jet. Yeah. And maybe we could do, like you mentioned, it'd be fun to get the women of the outlaw out that ran it together. That'd be fun just to get perspective on it. Yeah. Nicole actually was, I didn't know who she was and she's newer, it seems to the longer distances, but she's yeah, killing she's doing, it. She's killing it, man. Yeah. Yes, she is. She's doing a great job, man. She crushed Rocky and yeah. She actually shared my cabin crazily. We, yeah. Yeah, we didn't know each other, but I realized it the next day and I did listen to the podcast and I thought, oh, it'd be cool to talk to her now after the race. I know yeah. it was probably, she's ex- expecting to go super fast. She's quite, maybe not quite used to slowing up for when you, need to. you don't really have a choice. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be interesting to, to hear her perspective true as well. Yeah. That's a good test when you, when you have an expectation, because that'll mess with your head. If you oh, go in yeah. thinking, man, I'm going to crush this and you have to grind it out. Like for one, for me, like silver heels, if I wouldn't have gone in knowing I may have to grind this out, that'll mess with your head and that'll bring you down. Especially when she was, she had such a strong, fast first hundred, you know, that yeah. second one usually is harder already mentally. Cause yeah. you're like, what am I proving here? Am I really in this sport? I've already done a hundred. That's what, also why I won't repeat hundreds. It's just not. I know yeah. my motivation, my desire won't be there to yeah. finish it. Yeah, I think it'd be super interesting to get her perspective. And then Mindy's done so many different races just to mm-hmm. hear the difference. And I think something went wrong. I got the impression when I saw her that morning that something had gone awry. And again, because we hadn't chatted, I wasn't sure what happened, but I'd love to know and just 
I think she hurt her knee, if I remember right. She wrote something on it on Facebook afterwards, and she was okay. having to grind it out. I think it was her knee. I, I don't quote me on that, but she wrote something on it, and so she had to push through to get it done. So she wasn't moving her her fastest. But but congratulations on first <laughs> overall for the one thirty five. And just to give everybody perspective here, it was forty one hours and fifty two minutes of just getting it done. <laughs> Grinding away. Lots of lifted your knees up because those rocks are everywhere. Did you get <laughs> no. sleepy? Again, I'm good till night two. Okay. Night one, okay. I'm used to yeah. getting through night one. I will say it's a little bit unfair when you're my size and going through the water because that means it's to my knees. Yeah. Most people, <laughs> it, their ankle, they're like, oh, it's ankle deep. I'm like, great. I'm going to be swimming. <laughs> and then the rocks, if they're like, oh, they're not that high. Step, right. You got to step up a lot higher. <laughs> this is a triathlon at this point. That's yeah. awesome. What are you, notice you got the Great Divide Ultra, which is one that was on, you got that one coming up. I looked at that one. That one looks like it'll be, it'll be fun. I'll be doing Mesa's Hideout that weekend. Oh Cuba. yeah, that one looked cool too. I don't know the director for Macy's Hideout. It does look cool, but I know the director for Revenant okay. Running and the Ricks brothers are awesome between Mad Moose and Revenant Running. And so I thought, I haven't done any of his races yet. I'd like to support him. Yeah. A 16 mile loop is cool. If any of my friends wanted to come out and run a loop, they can. I think there's a couple other girls from the Diva group that'll be down there. I really like a race that has camping because yeah. we can bring our camper. Of yeah. course, Greg will volunteer because we've already <laughs> talked about why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I think my challenge for June is going to be two or three weeks later. I'm, then I'm going to go out to the Yeti because I've heard great things about Jason Green yeah. and his race yeah. series. I have some friends that are headed there and I they have an extra space in their Airbnb. So I thought, okay, well, that'll be a good challenge. Like a hundred, wait three weeks and do another hundred. See what that's like. Dude, that's like your training is your training basically just doing a lot of races. What are your what are you maxing out weekly mileage when you're just training? What are you doing? Yeah, my friends already know this, but I have a extremely hyper border collie that runs okay. with me on a daily basis. So I'd say her name is Dash. She's five. We put in about seventy to ninety miles a week every week. Just really, just out there doing it. Yeah, if we're not. We run pretty much every morning and then go for a walk later in the day, but I need to do that. Otherwise she's going to be climbing the walls. And <laughs> So yeah. And then I have a home gym. So I do, I've learned to do a lot of rowing as well, because otherwise my back really hurts during races. It's a real challenge running and, and rowing at least 10 to 15 minutes every day of the rowing, just to get that upper body, even a little bit of it, it helps. I find goes a long way, but yeah, I'm pretty consistent. I yeah. taper, obviously, or not taper. I take some time off after a hard effort, but I just listen to my body when it says I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Okay. So you really don't have any kind of build or anything. You just run, you basically nope. just run. Yeah. No, they will I think, of course, let's say I choose to do a 500 mile race. Then again, I'll probably look back and say, okay, what do I need to do to, to up this distance? Yeah. Yeah. But you said your back, if you do rowing, where, where does your back hurt? Is it upper back, lower back? Mostly the upper back. I think okay. from the rotation back and forth. Okay. Gotcha. And the yeah. rowing helps you with that. That's cool. Really helps. Yeah. And it oh. gets a little bit at the core too. Not as much maybe as I should be doing, but enough yeah. that it doesn't hurt so much during the race. Yeah. So your future races are just going to, it sounds like you just find stuff that you think is cool. Race directors that are awesome. You think yep. you do any more 200s? I don't know. I have an entry to Tahoe for 2024. Okay. I haven't decided if I want to do it or not. I'm in, I'm on the list, so to speak, because I swept Moab yeah. this last year. Okay. So I'm considering it. I'm not excited about it yet. And so if I'm not okay. excited or I don't have that reason, it yeah. makes me question it. Even the okay. cone race around Jackalope Jam, I was excited to meet new people and just try something crazy. Yeah. I can't say that. I don't know if you've been out. To, it, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. I wonder, are they still doing the out and back though? I heard something changed this year. I don't know what, as far as I okay. know, they're still doing the out and back. I think their permit that they got was still for the out and back. Okay. I paced my, one of my friends last year. So I've seen most of the course. Okay. Gotcha. You're right. It's incredible. Yeah. Okay. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, you got to listen to you when runners think, I don't know this race or this race, what, what, what should I do? I was like, which one do you get excited about? Cause you're going to, you know, what gets you light your eyes light up when you start talking about it let's you know if it's hard or good if it's not hard whatever just pick something you can get excited about and get out there and have fun and do it yeah i completely agree i'm way too old i've been doing this way too long to try to just grind out and be super competitive all the time that's not going to motivate me anyway yeah you know, how many well, medals it, does somebody need yeah yeah and the beautiful thing right now is there are so many races to choose from oh, so i mean many. you can get to see so many cool places running <laughs> yep i 
And because of this pretty cool community we have up here, I also get to see a lot of them as a pacer. Because usually I'm pacing like 50 miles. They're yeah. calling me in to do yeah. the big, the big stuff. Yeah, which is great because then I get to run for free. Nice. Christine, I, I, it's been, it's been fun. Like just watching you a little bit and seeing all that you've done. I'm going to keep following you. You call me a fan. Hopefully you come run some other courses out here in Oklahoma. There's some other good, good races. Jeremy and them are putting on. Have you done one in Kansas yet? You got some flat and fast courses in Kansas too. I haven't. I think <laughs> one of my friends is doing the 225. Oh, the Katie. Katie, yeah. And so I think we're going to go up there. She did the Cowboy 100 last year. So I got okay. to, hey, that's where I met Chase and Casey, who are awesome. I listened to their podcast. That was pretty cool. Oh, that's yeah. where I heard about the green juice. That's right. That's the, okay. That's yeah, right. That's right. That's right. Because <laughs> yes, we were yeah. talking about their products, their Proxima. Yeah. yeah. Again, I'm definitely, I would love to support them and their races, if only by pacing my friends when they go there. So yeah. I'm looking around. I haven't made a choice. I'm still recovering from Outlaw. And then I actually did a 24 hour race last weekend. So I'm not That's quite ready to make my choices <laughs> for next year yet. I need a little break. Yeah. Understand. Understand. That's wise. That's wise. You know, hopefully I'll, I'll see you at a race at some point. I like to do those, pick those that make me excited. And, and I love Colorado. I try to spend as much time as I can during the summer out there training at altitude, getting some mountain time in. And anyway, maybe one day I'll see you on the, see you on a course or see you out there just training or something. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. It might be fun to get together with Jeremy one time if you're both up here and just chat about running and the ultra running community. Yeah, him and I got some stuff planned. We'll be out there at some point. <laughs> so, the two of you make lots of crazy plans from what I can hear on the podcast. Yeah, it's prob probably don't need to be getting together, but whatever. <laughs> It'll happen. <laughs> Those are the best friends, though. Let's face it. That's right. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. And yeah, looking forward to seeing what you're going to do next. Yeah, I'll see you out there. Thanks for having me.